0: What the hell's going on out here? It's a lot of fun.
1: Keep it fun.
0: Hello, everybody. Welcome to the UK Packers podcast. As usual, I'm your host at Steve Diddy NFL on Twitter. Of course, follow the group at UK Packers. And as usual, I'm joined by my esteemed comrade in arms. I say comrade because I just finished Hitch twenty two. That was difficult. That's my book for this week. Still doing one a week, Peter. At IT Hedgehog, how you doing, man?
1: I'm doing good, Steve. How are you?
0: Not too bad. Not too bad at all. Trying this uh, reading the book a week thing, Peter. and stressing me out, man. Because, like, <laughs> I started off like, oh, let me get on this literary journey. Um, because again, we've talked about being avid readers and all that type of stuff. I've never got the whole book a week thing in and I've pretty much like pasted blistering through the books uh, this year but I, I did um Hitch 22 Christopher Hitchens not that um, but again I mentioned Christopher Hitchens on one of the podcasts people are like there you go Steve Christopher Hitchens man after my own heart I think you know God is this done the other as well and I'm like hold on <laughs> dear Jesus Um, yeah I found he was an interesting guy uh, do you ever listen or read much of Christopher Hitchens Pete? Uh,
1: I'm not, not not very much um no, I can't. No, I can't really say that I have.
0: I think O. E. M. did, and then they released a song, "Losing My Religion," because he's very persuasive. Uh, but again, uh, his memoir was interesting. But dear Jesus Christ, it was just peppered with so many references to, you know, Marxism, Trotskyism, um, all of the inner workings of politics in multiple countries. Guy super clever. So I decided to mix it up, and my book that I've already started now. Because if you ever read uh, Jupiter's Travels. By Ted Simon
1: no, there's another one I've not read.
0: They got this is just a podcast where I name books that Pete hasn't read, and then I explain the <laughs> synopsis of each. Uh, yeah, it's it's an amazing book. It it inspired Long Way Round and Long Way Down. Hugh McGregor read it apparently, um, and he meets him in that program. And again, I'll say that, and you'll be like, "Yeah, don't know what that program is either, Steve." So uh, this is the this is the one podcast where Peter knows absolutely nothing. Everything. <laughs> nothing. <else>. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've i I've, I've you know scoured around the interweb to find out what Pete doesn't know um just don't mention donuts or packers you know 1919 onwards um yeah it's it's an it's sort of travel book and i was gonna read that again as something kind of light but i was like no i'm gonna read a short one because i just i just finished hitch 22 today uh was michael palin around the world in 80 days but i don't know how good it's gonna be because he wrote it in like the 80s so maybe he'll be you know no internet and all that kind of gear. So that's going to be interesting. Are you still reading the same seven books this week? Well, please?
1: I, yeah, yeah. I've, I've mainly been concentrating on that Ron Wolf book that I talked mm. about, um, last week. But to be honest, the last couple of days I've been fixing fen- fence posts, Steve, after the storm came through. So, um, mm. not so much reading and, too much physical activity for me the last few days.
0: Well, when you live in an, a palatial estate, um, like you do, <laughs> yeah. you know, Downton Abbey does not have a patch um, on, on Peter's abode. Um, but this podcast is its going to be about Combine. It's going to be, we have a mailbag. Uh, we opened up a mailbag this week uh, based on a suggestion by Daniel Seaman, who said he was um, an avid listener to the podcast, which is great. So we've Daniel's question, but and I don't want to start the mailbag too early. However, let me hit you with this. Michael Woods, are you going to country to country this year, Pete?
1: It's funny you should ask, Steve. It's funny you should ask, Michael. Um, no,
0: I'm
1: not. Um, I know. So, yeah, so we've been, I think, every year but one or every year but two. And, um, yeah, it, was a, it, it got to be a really long weekend last last year so we decided this year to wait to see who was who was going to be on and before we bought our tickets and and then when the lineup came out we kind of thought either either that well it was kind of a mixture there were some people that we'd already seen and and weren't you know had had to rush out and see them again and there were some others that we thought no i don't know yeah so it was kind of um yeah we just in, in essence decided to 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 take a year off as it were Well, all of
0: our Packers last country fans are going to be super disappointed because I was looking forward to seeing the photos. Now, when you go to this event, Pete, (laughs) I'll be talking cowboy hat, that weird cowboy string thing that they wear around their necks. What's that called? Do you know the name? Uh,
1: um, Not not for me. No cowboy hats. Arseless
0: chaps, Pete. (laughs) No, 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 no
1: no, no boots. None of of that stuff. It's usually it's usually um, well, it would be Packers sweatshirts and T-shirts every day.
0: Yeah. I don't know. Does um, that go down? Because here's one thing I'm surprised about. And again, I don't know if this is going to offend the Wisconsin listeners. Yeah, like, <laughs> okay, this probably will offend some. I saw I some really questionable accents the last Packers game I went to. One guy in particular um, showed a severe lack of a Packers knowledge uh, because he was shouting this phrase while the Packers were on offense, but he had a very country accent. And apparently I, I said this to someone in green Bay, like this guy didn't sound like he was local. And they said, "Nah, he's probably local. Cause he was going, come on. stand there. <laughs> So he sounded, that's not the usual Wisconsin <laughs> accent. And I hope I've done it justice there. <laughs> Do you think there's many country to country fans in Wisconsin? Is it a very country music style place? Because that accent, come on. I mean, it's, is that typical Wisco?
1: Well, I guess, I guess you wouldn't necessarily, th- yeah, it wouldn't be the kind of natural home, I guess, for for, for, for country music. But I think, I think it's popular all, ra- all around the States. And, and when you look at you know where the where the big country acts tour? Yeah, yeah, they they, they tour in the south, so they you know obviously you know they're going to do Tennessee and they're going to do Texas and and Georgia and but the, the you know the most of them go up to you know Wisconsin, Michigan, and um, Ohio, Indiana, and and those places. So I think there's I think there's you know a lot of a lot of country fans all over.
0: There's loads in Ireland. Garp Rookus, Garp Rookus? Uh Garp <laughs> Brooks was, uh, that's Garp Brooks' brother. Um, Garp Brooks was, a different surname for some reason, in same first name, uh, cruel <laughs> parents. Uh, he was massive in Ireland and there was this line dancing craze that took off in the 90s. So much so, it was like, you know we talk about this well we don't talk about it it is out there about the strictly curse where like all these lads and women do this show and then run off with the with the dancing instructor apparently that was rampant in ireland i say rampant and that could be massively overstating the problem where like you know women used to run away with the line dancing instructor of men and i think and i think uh colin farrell used to be like a line dancing uh, guy. And then he, I, I think he then started dancing in clubs on polls for money. Um, But anyway, um, you know, Colin Farrell's biographer can look into that. Maybe we should move on to Packers related stuff, Pete, because I think I've destroyed this podcast enough with the restless chaps <laughs> comments about two minutes ago. Uh, and I think you graciously moved across it and said, no boots, no hats. So it goes to show there's, you know, we're chalk and cheese when it comes to this type of behavior. <laughs> um, We're going to talk combine, Pete. This is an area you and Andy Davies. Um, marvel at i mean you are good at this stuff the whole you know predictions and everything else even when and we did look into it last week brian gudekun's first draft and again we're leading the curve here too right because we spoke about how it was really hitting this his first um draft and then there's articles coming out this week because it's heh, off season and people are going oh well, let's have a look at gudekun's thing so i like to think that we're trailblazers and also i looked at an article that was already online but it doesn't matter um People can't get this right. It's it's notoriously hard to get right, and some of our questions for the mailbag are kind of based around this. Pete, when we're looking at the combine, uh, which is the precursor to the draft, where everyone loses the run of themselves and someone can run really fast in a straight line. I mean, yep. what value can we get from the combine, and what should we actually be looking for in the combine?
1: Well, I, I think that I mean it depends. It depends on which position, what which which positions you're looking at. But I think from I think from a team perspective, um, you know the 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 teams will have been scouting these players all the way through their college careers, you know, and, and, and high school before that. So, so they ought to be going to the combine with a damn good idea of, of what they think of each of the players. And, you know, it it ought to be about, um, the combine proving what, what the teams think they already know about an individual. Um, you know, and then maybe the, the odd thing that they, that they need to need to understand. So, you know, if if they're if they're not clear on whether a particular wide receiver really is as fast as he appears to be, then the 40 time's is going to give them some some indi- some indication. Um, but I think also the the interviews have proven in the last couple of years. And you, know, you think of last year with with Jakai Polite's interview, oh, yeah. where he almost basically talked himself well, he <laughs> did talk himself out yeah. of the first round of the draft. And um, you know, I think the interviews are probably as, as important to the, to the teams as actually the, the, the physical testing. I think one set of positions, or one position grouping, the offensive line, I think that's the one that probably is um, where the combine has the most relevance because I think it's difficult sometimes on, on tape to try and understand how athletic... You know, an offensive lineman is when he's working in, in in a very in a very small space, whereas you know you can tend to see with a let's say a running back or a wide receiver or or, or a tight end, you can you can tend to see more of their athletic skills if you like, um, on game tape, um, but less so with with the off with the offensive lineman. I think it's difficult as a fan. You know, we'll get it on the on the NFL network to really work out. You know, if you see a wide receiver runner. Let's say a four-four forty. What is that really telling me? Mm. Um, you know, and it, I, I guess it will partly depend on on the guy. You know, is the four-four forty um, the, the, the the speed that you know you kind of expected that guy to run? So, so if you look at somebody like um, Henry Ruggs, so wide receiver expected to go in the middle of the first round. That's pretty much based on. On the expected 40 time, which is probably somewhere under 44, somewhere in the 43s. You know, if he suddenly comes out and runs a 45 40, then I think people are going to re, you know, reassess what they've got, what they've got in rugs, because he's got some other deficiencies. The one thing he does have, in theory, is great speed. So you know, if 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 whatever he blows that 40 time, then then that's not going to do him. That's not, not going to do him any favors. Um, conversely you look at other guys like like Joe Burrow is almost certain to be the number one pick in the draft don't expect him to do very much at all at the combine you know when you're yeah. sitting when he's sitting in that position there's only one way to go and that's down so I, I wouldn't expect to see very much of Joe Burrow at the combine at all
0: yeah well with a bit of luck um, because I just can't stand the whole cigar episode still can't get past the Pete and he's going <laughs> to have to do some fantastic stuff at NFL level because... <laughs> that's why I brought him up yeah, it's the cringe factor. I even have him in my notes. Joe Burrows. Cringe. That's all I have. It's because it's just anybody who wants to cringe. And the, the, the best part about it as well is now that he's been touted as number one to go to the Bengals, he's meant to be the face of the franchise. Um, you know, all the experts that I've read are, have said there's no way that they trade down or pick anybody else, uh, including Tua. Uh, well, then it's just going to highlight this whole slow-mo nodding your head while smoking a cigar cringiness Um, but there you go now what I have did was is I've also ran through uh, the various mock drafts and anybody who's a long term listener to the podcast will know just how much I get excited for this time of year it's my (laughs) favourite thing to read and uh, so much so that people end up sending me um, 2021 and I've even seen a 2022 mock draft Um, (laughs) and not this year last year so that'll go to show you the pain and anguish that I'm in on the daily Um, But anyway, I've pulled it from these experts. Let me throw some of these picks at you, Pete. And let me know if these are the same names that are hitting the radar because I want to direct people's attention to our Twitter account and our Facebook account. And we call you, and you call yourself Packer Pete, uh, which you've got your Packer Pete's 2020 draft board, which is the offensive positional board. Now, again, even you stress, there is even on the actual picture, the board is subject to lots of change. (laughs) As we get closer to the draft day, you put the word in. Lots so it will change, and you even put the date on the picture so that people can go and try slap you in the face with it and say, Oh, am look, you're after saying this guy, whatever. All right, Pete knows, and he has people in green who are top one to 50, yellow 51 to 100. Um, so Pete, before I get into this, that is an excellent piece of work, but again, you're covering yourself. This will likely change and bounce around in the next few weeks, right?
1: Yeah, no, abs- absolutely. There's two, th- there's, you know, there's two, there's two, two things I could do with this, I could keep that board to myself. Yeah. <laughs> or, or I could put it out there and prepared, be prepared to be shot at. And, and, and you know, it's, 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 it's as much to, I guess, help people. You know, we've got the Combine coming up next week. Here's, here's a guidance of, of 12 guys at each, at each position. And we'll have the defensive board out tomorrow, hopefully. Um, so when people watch the Combine, at least there'll be some, some names that they can see. This is roughly where they fit at this, at, at this time. You know, and it's all subject to change, but this is kind of roughly where they fit. So if you, you know, if you see, I don't know, let's say Jalen Hurts of Oklahoma, so as a quarterback, if you see, if you see him testing, you can have a quick look at this positional board and kind of see roughly where he fits. Somewhere probably between picks 50 and 100, you know, probably around pick 70 or something like that. Yeah. You know, so, so you can just kind of give some context of of the guys that you see in, in, in the combine. So that's, that's really what that's about.
0: Yeah. And kind of, what strikes me as well is, is it's like golfers. I've been told that, um, with golfers, the number one to the number 100, there's, so, there's tiny margins between the skill levels of, of these players. And that's what always strikes me as well about the NFL is that you have like, you know, players that are one to 50, one to hundred. Um, but also, You know, we pick up an undrafted free agent and it goes, oh, he broke all of his college records. He also was the only player in NFL history to also be an astronaut. I mean, the stuff that they come out with and I'm like, oh, he sounds absolutely fantastic. I don't know why he didn't go in the first round. Sometimes these are all bunched together. And from looking at your graphic, which is super easy, friendly to read, um, green is yay. And so looking at the wide receivers. (laughs) There's nine out of the 12 that are light green. The other three are in yellow, which means that they're all like, you know, top 100 picks. And to put that into perspective, um, Devontae Adams uh, was chosen 53rd um, in the second round. So that'll kind of give you a sort of a marker um, of where people go. But anyway, let me throw these names at you. Surprisingly, some of these are defensive players, so they're not on your graphic yet. So Sports Illustrated are going with Patrick Queen uh, a linebacker Uh, Charlie Casserly is going Raquan Davis Bucky Brooks from NFL is going Jalen Rieger Um, Daniel Jeremiah is going for Leviska Cheneau Jr which is fun to say and probably said it wrong Um, (laughs) NFL again with Lance Zerline is going Justin Jefferson as is ESPN's Mel Kuyper and finally Bleacher Report is going Javon Kinlaw uh, defensive line from South Carolina so Pete, there's a healthy mix there between yep. um, wide receivers, which is heavy because um, you know that that's what everyone expects, and also people going for defensive players. Um, yep. do do they stand up? I mean, are the experts talking out their bum again, or do they sort of seem like possibles for you as well? Yeah,
1: yeah. so so I think I don't think there's a name in there that it, that isn't that isn't possible. Mm. Um, so trying to remember, working my way back backwards. So 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 Javon Kinlaw, um. Defensive lineman out of South Carolina. So, if he if he dropped to thirty, I mean that's a guy that's a guy that you would expect. I would expect to be going in the well a lot higher than that. Yeah. So maybe not in the in the top ten, but somewhere between eleven and twenty is kind of where I would expect Javon Kinlaw to go. So if 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 he were to drop to thirty, then then yes, I mean I, I you know on the face of it, you've got you've got a steal there. So so for me, he's the second best defensive lineman available. Um, you know the best being Derek Brown out of Auburn, who's going to go in the top ten, possibly the top five. Um, trying to think some of the other names you mentioned. So um, Patrick so Queen.
0: Patrick Queen, yeah, Sports yeah. Illustrated. So
1: so Pat, so Patrick. I think so. There's so there's a real dearth of um, inside linebacker talent mm. in in, the, in this in this draft. So you've so you've really got three guys. You've got Isaiah Simmons. Of Clemson, and, and and this this is a guy that could play linebacker, could play safety. Um, but he's going in the top ten, so he's he's long gone by the time the Packers pick. Um, the second guy is Kenneth Kenneth Murray, um, Oklahoma. Now whether he ends up playing inside or outside in the NFL will be will be an interesting question. So so plays the run well, rushes the pass well. Very little experience in pass coverage um, can get side to, you know, can get from sideline to sideline. So good, so good speed, but you know, has, like I say, has little experience in pass coverage. So that's a guy that you're going to have to work on, work on a little bit. It's quite possible that Murray will be there at 30 when, when, the, when the Packers pick and, and probably wouldn't be a bad pick at 30. Yeah. it would be about the right value. Um, Patrick Queen. Um, so he's moving up seems to be moving up in people's draft boards and, and mock drafts. I think he's probably a mid-second round pick right now. So I think he's a guy that probably, going back to your earlier question, it's probably a guy that's worth watching at the combine because, because if, he, if he tests particularly well, you know, he could move himself up into the, into the first round. So not beyond the realms of possibility that the Packers could take him at 30, but it, it feels a little bit of a reach right now. Um, I think you mentioned a whole bunch of wide receivers Yeah, Jalen
0: there. Rieger, LaVisca Shennow, or it could be Shennault, who knows? Shenoldt, uh, you know, yeah. um, and Justin Jefferson, so they're the three that are being touted at wide receiver.
1: Yeah, and and the the I guess the issue with, with wide receiver of well, the the question mark at wide receiver is that you've got a bunch of guys, probably, you know, I, I think nine that probably go in the top fifty and it could even be more than that, mm. is knowing that there's so many do you take one in round 1 on the basis there's a pretty good chance a good one will be there when you pick in round 2 yeah whereas that isn't the case with some of the other positions for example like like in like inside linebacker conversely you know if there's one that you really really like and he happens to be there when you pick at round uh, at pick 30 in the first round <laughs> it's difficult to turn that you know to turn or pick somebody else. So I think you can list almost any of the any of the receivers, the the, the Chenaults, um, the Riegers, the Justin Jeffersons, the three names that you've mentioned. And I think it's about what you like in terms of are you looking for a speed guy like like Henry Ruggs. Are you looking for a guy that's got fantastic hands and like Jerry Judy, who's going to go well, well in the first round. I like I personally. Just my, my personal guy that I like is Brandon Ayuk out of Arizona State. I'm not sure. I think he's right on the cusp of being a first-round pick, so he's probably there at 30 when the when the Packers when the Packers pick. I guess I like him because he's got he's got good hands, but what he's really was really good at is 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 once he's got the ball in his hands, he's excellent after the catch.
0: Some nice but yakety yak.
1: I, yeah, I I I. I really like him, but I, th- I think with those wide receivers, I think there's so many of them. It's going to come down to you know what you like and what you want. You're looking for a slot guy, you're looking for a fast guy, you're looking for a, a tall guy, you're looking for yeah just depends on what you're looking for
0: yeah because it kind of links in with um a mailbag question um from ken mack so he's sort of asking do we go inside linebacker or wide receiver first in the draft now on that question uh, let's take a look at the wide receivers that have worked out in green bay and where they've been taken 2006 greg jennings second round 52nd pick 2007 james jones third round 78 pick 2008 Jordy nelson second round um 2011 he was the 36th pick by the way Uh, 2011 randall cobb second round 64th pick and 2014 Devontae adams second round 53rd pick so pete that's all second and third round so again with this draft being pretty wide receiver heavy you have nine guys in green three of them in yellow you know does it just lend itself to being the obvious pick? Is, is the strategy like you've kind of alluded to already? If we can nab a good inside linebacker, if he's there on the board in the first round, well then we go for him. And then after that, then we leave the second round to a wide receiver. Or will these twelve wide receivers be gone again? We get to draft in the second round.
1: Well, I, th- I think that's I think that's possible. Uh, but but I think that so I think that, you know you, you have you have to be flexible about this because. It's quite possible that, that many of the teams picking before the Packers will be thinking the same thing. I think, actually, uh, I don't know, maybe I've got needs at defensive line and wide receiver, and I'm picking, I don't know, ninth in the draft, and I have no idea he's picking nine. But, you know, and, and you're sitting there thinking, well, actually, you know, there's a really good wide receiver there, but there's only two or three really good defensive linemen So I'm going to take the defensive lineman on the basis that there's there's going to be a wide receiver in the second round. So it's quite possible that lots of teams do that. And therefore, guys, wide receivers that really in a normal year would have gone in the first round might start to slip. Um, And then what I suspect happens is beyond the first couple is once teams start taking them, then everybody starts taking them. So I think you get a you're going to get a run on the wide receiver position. It just depends on where it on where it starts. Um, I think for the Packers, so so I think the Packers have got four positions of I want I don't want to use the word desperate need, but but most urgent need, and I think those are wide receiver, inside linebacker, offensive line, and defensive line. Yeah. Um. In particular, offensive tackle, I should say, more than the offensive line in in. In general, um, so I, I think I think that the, the, the Packers will pick one of those one of those four four positions. But I think it's likely to depend on well, it's got, the blatantly obvious statement here. It's going to depend on what happens before they before they pick.
0: And if they pick, I mean, there's an over under on whether we trade the pick away, which we always <laughs> do.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's um, and the other thing to throw into the mix is what happens in free agency. Exactly. Yeah. So, with free agency coming up before the before the draft, if you if you filled one of those needs, let's say they they pick up a wide receiver in free agency or an inside linebacker in free agency, then that allows you to do something else in the in the draft so so I suspect in, so I suspect in free agency they're going to be talking to a bunch of potential linebackers and a bunch of potential wide receivers, and they don't have the the cap space like they had last year to play with. But I would expect them to pick up one decent free agent in terms of money. So I don't don't expect them to be paying 15 or 16 million a year to the guy that they signed this year. But somewhere in the anywhere between 5, 10, 11 million, that kind of number, depending on the player, I expect them to pick up one of those guys.
0: Yeah. Yeah, which again does the whole deal of us cutting, and again this is all around the internet as well. People are writing ten articles a day on it, just about Jimmy Graham, um, and also Lane Taylor and the money that we're going to get from cutting those lads. Now that leads us to a mailbag question from Eduardo Galvan, and this is where Pete, uh, we conduct the rest of this podcast in Spanish. So he says, Jimmy Graham, one more chance, but I see he's from Mexico, so we're going to make the switcheroo. Uh, Uno oportunidad más, uh, pero no. Uh, ¿Qué piensas? <laughs> <laughs> You're going to say something like a was, dos was, cervezas, I was, please. I
1: was I was about to say, je ne comprends pas, but that's French, obviously. Jimmy Graham, no mass, I would imagine. Is the, uh,
0: <laughs> no mass, yeah. Or in Spanish, <laughs> we just like to say... No. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I reckon he has gone, Pete, isn't he? And this the, the deal with this is, is like when we're looking at these wide receivers and we see these free agents and there's a lot of talk about getting a slot receiver, is there any chance in your mind where we let Jimmy Graham go, we're not quite happy with Jay Sternberger, we need to add more talent, not that we're not happy with him, but you know he has development potential, that we pick up a tight end in free agency or we go for Bryson Hopkins, who you have in beautiful green, or is he well off the board? Again, we even have a hint... I've been able to get a uh, top tight end talent.
1: Well, I think that you know the 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 tight ends the tight ends in the draft. So yeah, Bryson Hopkins the number one, but I, but I think that you know he's second round guy. Mm. So again, yeah, it's possible that you know, I, I think he's the low end of of the top fifty. So let's say he's forty five. I can't remember what number he was exactly on my list, but he's the low end of the top fifty. It's possible that he drops to sixty. I doubt it. Simply because he's the first, the first tight end, and you have to imagine somebody's going to pick a tight end before, for before them. Um, but it, it's not beyond the realms of possibility that they that they that they take a tight end in, you know, in the second in the second or third round. But it, it certainly wouldn't be high on my on my list unless unless they're not very high on on Jace Sternberger. My my gut feel, and really nothing much to base this to base this on is that I think they've got high hopes for for for, for Sternberger.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and there's no reason to sort of doubt otherwise. I like, But again, I see all these sort of um articles saying, oh, well, the Packers are high and he flashed some brilliance. I'm like, oh, okay, calm down. Uh, but yeah, Jimmy Graham, certainly Eduardo, I reckon is, yeah, for sure gone. The stats don't back it up, I think. You know, there's all of these stuff as well that I'm reading about. Oh, he's one of Gudekund's biggest mistakes. And I'm like, oh, OK, well, he took a punt on a guy who, you know, was touted that the, the Seahawks weren't using him properly. He paid big money. Had it paid off big, he would have been, you know, the next coming of whatever. But then Jared Cook got let go and that kind of compounded the issue, Pete, didn't it really? I mean, the woe.
1: Yeah, and I, and I think, we're, I think we're all experts after after the event, exactly, aren't we? Yeah. I mean, all I remember at the time of the Packers sign, signing Jimmy Graham was, was lots of people coming out and love and loving the move yeah you know and and, you know and they could envisage him catching 60 passes a year and and because he's six foot seven frame he's going to catch you know 10 touchdowns a year because that's what he's previously done so I think I you know in retro in retrospect yes he hasn't he hasn't delivered what you would want for the money that for the money that he was paid but I don't think anybody unless they're all going to prove us different now and come up with a tweet from three Mm. years ago. Of course. I I, I just don't remember whole reams of people let's put it like that coming out three years ago and saying oh this is a terrible move
0: well sometimes it pays to be a contrarian you'll have someone who it looks like (laughs) a a good move at the outset and there'll be one guy who goes oh I don't believe it but then you come up with the rest of his contrarian views and the guy's an idiot but I didn't see it uh, not panning out as badly and in fact I did a podcast before about just Jimmy Graham I believe um, and delving into his stats and I pulled out that you know he usually improves once he gets to know the system in his second year it didn't happen and it reminds me of these fellas who buy you know mercedes nice car uh, i wouldn't it or whatever um so you get you get these mercedes that like they look the exact same you know you get one for 80 grand and then you get another one for like 250 and they both look pretty much identical so it's how much you want to spend to what how it looks and when you're actually driving the car do you get an extra like hundred and fifty grand's worth of value from driving the car because it heats up your arse and, you know, tells you the time of day from time to time? Who knows?
1: And that's all yeah, and that's absolutely right. And that's always the question you have to ask yourself about about free agents in general. Is you know, for let's say I can get this guy for eight million or this guy for twelve million a year, what am I getting for the four million difference? Yeah. You know, am I getting an extra 40 catches a year, let's just take the tight end position, or am I getting an extra 10 catches a year? And then is, are those extra 10 catches worth the 4 million difference to me? You know, you have to weigh all that all that stuff up. And I think that in Graham's case, if his salary wasn't as high as it was, then, and you took his numbers then, you took a historical perspective of Jimmy Graham's numbers over three years as a tight end, you know, it's it wouldn't be bad historically for the way that the Packers have been with their tight ends um, forever so it's just it's just about the big money comes with big expectations I guess
0: yeah and like you say it's that value impact I mean you look at Jace Sternberg, you look at Jimmy Graham you wonder what you can get from Jace yeah. um, in the upcoming year and you kind of weigh them off against each other and go okay you know you just sort of you'd rather take the risk to to let Jimmy go not that it's a massive risk because of the money gain Um. Yeah. And like you say, it depends on you know if we were a flush with cash as well, you'd be more inclined to be like, oh, let's take a punt on it. And then you look on the opposite side where someone might potentially cost a little bit more, but it's value for money. Like Mason Crosby coming off his best year, he's going to do the business for you, um, and actually come out and win games. Now, was Jimmy good at times? Yeah. You know, uh, does he still draw defensive players? Yeah, he does for some reason. Um, and then it showed in the playoffs. Did he come up with some clutch catches? Also, yes. Um, but is it worth that type of money? And um, probably not. But if there's nothing else to say about that, we can hit another mailbag question. And um, Gary Brackey asks a question about um, Aaron Rodgers and his successor. When is the best time to try draft a young uh, quarterback? Um, for me, Pete, if I if I can dive in real quick and yeah. answer it, it it you know what it all depends, doesn't it? I mean, if you look at the likes of Tom Brady, they had. Jimmy Garoppolo sitting there, they could have developed him, but they, for whatever reason, now again, that comes down to allegedly Robert Kraft disagreeing with Bill Belichick and all of this type of um, malarkey. However, you would have thought that was a, a open and shut case. I think the ambiguity as to, you know, whether Tom Brady was coming off the back of a Super Bowl, which it's Tom Brady he likely was, and then the level of play you're going to get from him, um, you know, all of these factors that come into it, and that's going to be, I think, coming into play with Aaron Rodgers. Everyone's criticizing him to say that he's gone downhill. So imagine, and let's put it into a hypothetical, that we get a wide receiver or a couple wide receivers, um, or whatever, and Jay Starnberger does the business, Ed Devontae Adams, you know, keeps up what he's doing. Um, you know and Aaron Rodgers ends up looking like a superstar again next year so that pushes out his succession plan an awful lot further and let's be real if you're going to get a quarterback and again you can look at Russell Wilson's and you can look at uh, kind of relatively Lamar Jackson I guess Patrick Mahomes relatively ish I guess um, and look at the bust that went before them Um, Tom Brady let's you know, bore ourselves with the late round picks as well is that yes you can pick up a guy in a later round but how realistically how long do you expect him to sit behind Aaron Rodgers Um, And still end up sort of hit the ground running. How long is Aaron Rodgers going to stick around for? You know, will there be an injury to Aaron Rodgers? God forbid that doesn't happen. But again, we've seen his injury history as of late. It really is the million dollar question. And this is why we know Brian Gutekunst listens to this podcast because he needs this (laughs) answer as to when you actually get that successor in. Pete, it almost feels like to me what's going to have to end up happening is is that the way the Brett Favre thing worked out uh, was fantastic. There was a bit of history there and, you know, everyone can read up the history of what happened there. We still gave up, um, you know, a handsome sum to get him in. Aaron Rodgers fell to us and, you know... You can't really say, oh, well, it was inspired stuff by uh, the Packers management. Like, again, yet to take the punt on a quarterback to upset Brett Favre, who, you know, some people would say was kind of a bit of a uh, prima donna when it came to stuff. And that was the whole, like, you know, Ross and Rachel, if I can, on and off again, relationship, will he retire, won't he retire thing. And Aaron Rodgers sitting behind for three years, which benefited him. People say they reworked these mechanics. But then when it comes to the next quarterback. It will be opportunity like that, right? Where we could get a quarterback that we're just like, Jesus, I can't believe he's fell this far. Um, or we have to really mortgage the franchise if we want to go after a guy. But then that will be telegraphing to... Uh, telegraphing, Jesus Christ. I mean, how what age are we in? That will be emailing to Aaron Rodgers, um, you know, pinning your colours to the mass to say we're ready to move on in the next couple of years. So enjoy your time here. I think it's going to be one or the other. I doubt we'll be lucky enough for a quarterback of that caliber to fall to us. And the other question to add on to Gary's for you, Pete, is 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 this the end of an illustrious, uh, unbroken stretch of fantastic quarterback play for the Packers? And as fans, should we just relish this next time, as we should do with Lionel Messi and Ronaldo and all of these players who are getting into the twilight of of their career and just enjoy the quarterback play because it could get grisly after this?
1: Yeah, I, so there's lots of lots of points. Yeah, it, it very well could get it very well could get grisly after this, or you know, there's lots of views that say the quarterback position today isn't as difficult to play as it was 15 years ago or 25 years ago, um, and so therefore it's it's somewhat easier for a guy um, coming out of college to almost slot directly in. Uh, and you've mentioned a whole bunch of names—the Patrick Mahomes, the Lamar Jacksons—you know you can name others: Carson Wentz, Goff, Wilson. Loads of guys that have come in and started in their first or second year that you didn't see ten years ago. You know that 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 never that never happened previously. Um, I think there are so many questions around around Aaron Rodgers, and I and I—it's a different situation to the one that that we were in with 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 Brett Favre. So Favre was almost on the verge of retirement every year from about 2004 onwards, Mm. Um, and I I don't, you know, the Packers as an as an organization just didn't know in any particular year um, whether that was going to be Brett Favre's last year. Um, And when you know when Rodgers fell to them in the 2005 draft, it was. I guess they felt it was a no-brainer at that point for the value that they were getting. Yeah, and so we hear lots of talk now about whether, you know, that's the model the Packers should be getting a guy, letting him sit for three years, uh, you know, and he'll just take over seamlessly and we'll and we'll carry on. Well, a, the days of quarterbacks sitting for th- sitting for three years under the current, you know, salary cap structure and, and a free agency structure. I think those days are gone. Um, and we've just mentioned the names of guys that all come in and started in their first or, or second year. And there's a whole bunch more of those guys. You, um, you've only got to look at the quarterbacks drafted in the last couple of years. You know, lots of them have come in and, and, and started straight away. Um, even if that weren't the case, the expectation that you that just sit in a guy for three years and having him learn and whatever else, and he's just going to seamlessly take over. That's not the way it works. And what's, and what's interesting, and people forget this, and I don't hear many pundits, even analysts, talk about this. In the 2008 draft, the Packers took a quarterback in the second round. Yeah. So, so Aaron Rodgers had been sitting there for three years, five, six, and seven. Um, Fav retired, wanted to come back and was traded and all, and all that stuff. So, so the Packers went into 2000, 2008 with Aaron Rodgers about to start his first year. But the Packers weren't overly confident that Rodgers was going to be going to be the man. They were so unsure about it that they took, took Brian Brougham in the second round of that 2008 draft. So, you know, even, even the Packers then were not certain that Rodgers was, was going to be the man. Um, so I think that I wouldn't be considering sitting a guy for for three for three years I, I think the question comes down to the Packers trying to understand at what point does Aaron Rodgers retire if you look at his his cap numbers this you know this coming year um, or or more importantly what his dead cap number would be so if the Packers were to trade him or release him what the Packers would be on the hook for that number's 51 million in 2020 it's 31, nearly 32 million in, in, in 2021. So, so you've got a pretty, pretty good idea that there's no way that the Packers can, can move on from Rogers in, in the next two years, even if they wanted to. Yeah. Which I don't, you know, I'm not suggesting that they, that they would want to, but even if they did, they pretty much can't. So it isn't until 2022 that they could conceivably, from a cap management point of view, move on from, from, from Rogers. So I, so I think we're a year away. At least from the Packers thinking about Rogers' um, long-term successor, if you will, through through the draft. The, the thing that I would throw out there is, or the name that the name that I would throw out there is um, Josh Rosen. And I know other people have talked about this. So this isn't an idea that I've suddenly come up with, but I, but I think the possibility of trading a middle round pick for josh rosen who was a first round pick two years ago i think that's not beyond the realms of possibility and i think it's quite intriguing because what you get there is you get a guy who let's face it if he was coming out into the draft this year it'd be a first it'd be a a a first round pick um it'd probably be the, the the third quarterback taken in this in this year's draft yes he's had a difficult first two years in the league but that happens that happens a lot and what do you get you get a guy on a cheap salary that you give up a let's say a fourth round pick for he can come in and play immediately if you if you need him to if Rogers got injured and perhaps would give you a chance whereas you know we've always been concerned if Rogers went down for half a season as we saw in in you know in 2017 then you pretty much feel like you you're done yeah um I think you know Rosen potentially gives you half a chance, and it also gives you the opportunity to look to look at him and see whether or not you know a guy that was a first round pick whether or not he could be your future. Yeah. But I think you know I think it's I think it all boils down to to uh, so much of it being in in Rogers' own hands. You know he's playing with the Packers for the next two years at least because of the cap situation, and then and then I think it's it's what does he want to do?
0: Well, here's a, a hot... Well, I hate hot takes because they're usually hot garbage, but my take on Aaron Rodgers would be I don't think he goes the way of Drew Brees, Tom Brady. I don't think he hangs on till the very, very end. Not that Drew Brees is doing that, and it's come out that he's gone back to the Saints. Surprise, surprise. Um, but yeah, I don't think he hangs on till he's like 40-something. I reckon he bows out, goes off, and has a really interesting Instagram profile. But let's end the podcast on not that uh, so the man who suggested the mailbag to us to do in the off season Daniel Seaman so let's talk about and again it was I don't know if he intended it or not maybe he's into literature but certainly it was fantastic to me he talked about books that are good for reading the game I just thought the whole books reading the game you know that whole <laughs> you know symmetry it was nice Um Pete, where do you go? What what was your resource, maybe back in the day or even now, that you go to to better understand what's going on in the field with defensive packages and the like?
1: Yeah, so 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 I so so the book that immediately came came to my mind with that um, is a book by a guy called, called Pat Kerwin. That's K I R W A N, hmm. and the book's called "Take Your Eye Off the Ball: How to Watch Football by Knowing Where to Look." And so it really is, um, I guess aimed at people watching, watching football on TV and the things to look for. Um, so it talks a lot about um, offensive packages, defensive packages, about each of the positions, the things, the things to look for. Um, and, he, and he even mentioned certain players, particularly players from um, kind of the last 10 or so years, So there'll be players mentioned in there that would be familiar and why, you know, why they had certain traits or didn't have certain traits that meant that they could only do one thing in their position, but they weren't very good at something else, you know, so it might be talking about the safety position, you know, and, and, and there was a guy that was really good at, good good at playing the run, but, but, but got exposed, um, you know, in pass coverage, um, and why that guy was out of the league after after three years or so, but they're all really relevant examples if you know what I mean. They're up to date examples of guys that that we would all names that we would all recognise. What I like about this book is so some of these types of books can be really heavy going. Um, I don't think I don't think this one is, and it's and it's also one of those books that you can read a chapter, put it down, go and read another chapter, put it down. But you don't have to read the chapters in order either. Yeah. So, 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 you know, if you want to go and read about the safety position and what to look for, then just go and read the chapter about the safety position. If you just want to know about defensive packages in general, go and read the chapter about defensive packages. If you want to know about how, how teams put together a, a game plan during the week there's a section on that, but it's not, you know, it's not a hundred page section on the game plan. It's a, you know, it's a, it's a much smaller section on that. So, so it gives you, it gives you a lot, I think, without giving you too much detail so that it gets, like I said, just, just boring and too much.
0: Yeah, it's a, it's a it's a great starting point and and jump off point point. and as you said, it doesn't go out of date. And a lot of these football concepts they remain the same. And certainly, I find that when you have announcers that go back in the day, they're still calling out the concepts that they've seen. It's still very yep. relevant. Now, people are interested in getting it. Um, and again, it's not as if we're getting sponsored for it. Um, take your eye off the ball. I've just looked on Amazon now. You can get it for a quid. You can get it on <laughs> Kindle <Okay>. for six pounds. <laughs> uh, you can also get a spiral va- bound version. So there you go. Someone obviously, uh, you know, I, I have him.
1: the I have the, spi- I have the spiral bound version. I, in fact, I would I would I would have lent it to Daniel, but I've actually lent it out to somebody else. So so, so but but it's it's.
0: Is Matt Laflora? Did he say he was going to give it that back to you? Or?
1: Yeah, no, uh, and it's absolutely. It's it's also one of those books that even I I think that, you know, even if you've been, it works for somebody that's relatively new to the game. Yeah. But it also works for somebody who's been following the game for a long time just to oh, let me just go and double check on something or let me just go read reread that section to refresh my memory. Yeah. So so I, I think that that's that's my kind of number one go to book for this that type of that type of question.
0: There you go, a quid on Amazon, six quid Kindle, <laughs> and you can also get the two point Uh, version, which again Kindle six quid. So for twelve pounds, you can pretty much get you know yourself covered. Is what we're saying. The,
1: the, the other the other book that it's, it's a slight it's a slight aside because it's more about how particular schemes and concepts came about, and then it and then it talks about those particular schemes and concepts. So it's historical, but also it brings it it brings it up to date. So if you want to know more about Bill Walsh's, you know, West Coast offense, or Bill Belichick's defense of the of the recent years, or the you know, Dom Capers and the Zone Blitz. Um so so that book is the is called The Genius of Desperation. And that's by Doug Farrar, that's F-A-D-R-A-R. Um I really like that book too, but that's more detailed and more specific about you know those particular concepts and schemes so that would kind for me that would kind of be a follow on book if you like to to the first one we talked about Yeah, but I absolutely recommend Take Your Eye Off The Ball by Pat Cohen absolutely recommend it
0: paperback 19 quid for the genius of desperation but again Kindle 7 pounds I mean for under (laughs) 20 quid you would basically get a job in the league as probably an offensive quality coach and then you'd be sacked after a year but Daniel it's open for you buddy Um, so yeah that was great we got loads more mailbag questions uh, coming in while we're on the podcast we're going to get around to those next week um, because again it's the off-season. Don't desert people in the off-season, do we, Pete? We don't. <laughs> no. And as well as that, we're the only um podcast for the Packers in the off-season that is touted as a 20-minute podcast and lasts an hour because, you know, that's what we do. <laughs> we give you value for money. We give you, you know, 20 minutes and then give you another 30, 35 minutes free. Uh, it's been good good crack. Anyway, if anyone wants to support us, uh, they can go to patreon.com forward slash UK Packers. Um, you can donate whatever you want, a quid a month. Um, but there's also the Fiverr Tier, uh, And if you get on to that one after six months, we send you a T-shirt. Now, you can be a cheeky hooer and you can cancel it after that point, which is fine. Um, you still get your T-shirt and f- effectively your money back. But if you decide to buy us um, a cup of coffee, effectively, between us, me and you, Pete, we're going to have to share that coffee. We're going to have to get out to Starbucks <laughs> and ask for probably not even a venti, probably something smaller, like a grande, and then get them and say, can you give us a spare paper cup with that? That's what we're <laughs> going to have to do, but only after six months. <laughs> so there we go. In our seventh month, we will have, do you know what? I will pay for the squirt of caramel. How does that sound, Pete? Fantastic. There we go. Sounds great. <laughs> so people can find us on Instagram, at UK Packers. I think I found the ad for Patreon. Um, So people can find us on Instagram, at UK Packers, on me, the Paddy Packer, as well, so racist, and also they can find Pete sometime soon at the Gram Packers Pete or whatever <laughs> the hell you decide to call it um, so yeah, until next week, it's a big massive Go Pack Go! Go Pack Go!